Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. We're living in some perilous times. That's been said more than once, but these are times when things are happening around us that can bring us great fear and anxiety. With floods and hurricanes and fires and now viruses, many people are frantic and some are even panicking. For those of us who are believers, this is the time that we trust in God and He will help us weather the storm. Over the next few days, I'm going to bring you some messages of being stormproof and having faith that God will take care of those who are His. So listen to today's message as we walk in the light of God's Word. Growing grace and growing in spiritual maturity. That's what I want to talk to you about. When we first come to Christ, we are drawn to Him by His love and His mercy. Jesus said this to His disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So by God's grace, He draws us to Himself. Loving kindness, He says in the Scriptures, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And when we come to the Lord, we are, we are new believers. We are new in Christ. We are babes in Christ. We are not mature believers. We don't know how to live the life that the Lord wants us to live in righteousness and holiness and spiritual maturity. We just come to Christ. We're just happy to be here. We're just happy for what he's done for us. And we just testify. Now it comes to the point when we need to grow. We've seen in Jesus' ministry, people healed. We looked at that in the book of Luke. Delivered from demons, encouraged. And we even saw a couple of people brought back to life by the loving and caring power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a time when the Lord wants to take us from an introduction to him to become a believer who is mature and productive in him who's mature and productive. That doesn't happen overnight. We can see Jesus at work in the book of Luke ministering and maturing believers. He's ministering to them. He's feeding them the fish and the loaves. He's, he's working signs and wonders and miracles. He's encouraging. But now we're going to see him take a step to uh, maturing those who are following him. This maturing has to do with how we grow up and how we respond. As his followers gathered around Jesus, he taught them some lessons to help them and to help us to grow. And we want to look at that in the book of Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 37. And these are some very practical instructions from Jesus that will help us grow in a practical, systematic manner. And when we talk about them, we're going to all know this, but when we come to practice, it's a different story. Now, in Luke 6.37, Jesus says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That's easier said than done. All three of those. So the first thing he tells us in this passage is what not to do. Do not judge. 
Now we want to talk about what is judging. What is judging? Judging is assigning a motive to why somebody is acting a certain way. Well, I know why you're doing that. Or sizing them up, comparing them to you, and then diminishing them. We don't usually judge people to put them up on a pedestal or to compliment them. We don't usually judge them for compliments. We just compliment. But if we're going to diminish them, we have to justify the way we feel about them so then we find something in them that's going to be consistent with how we want to portray them or put them up. They think they're something. Well, why do you think that they think that they're something? Well, the way that they talk, the way they behave, they think they're something. How do you know what they're thinking? You think they think they're something because they're not behaving in a way that you like to see them behave normally toward you. So he's saying to the believers now, when you start functioning in your day-to-day life, don't judge people. In fact, he wants us to reach people. He wants us to be the catalyst or the light that draws people to him. And we can't draw people to him when we're judging them. In fact, when we judge them, we don't want them to come to him. Or we're saying that they're not like us and they need to get themselves together so they can be like us. They don't sing like I do. They don't pray like I do. They don't come to church like I do. They don't fast like I do. They don't get here early like I get here. Look at them. They always get here late. They don't love the Lord. The fact that they always get here late is one thing. But when you say they don't love the Lord, then you start judging. They're not as safe as they think they are. Then you start judging. Now, they may always be late. You just don't know why they're always late. But when you start attributing that, see, they don't love the Lord. I love the Lord. I get here early. Okay, but you can get here early and still not love the Lord. So he says, in the church, in the believers, among the people who say they love God, let me just tell you something that destroy unity and destroy harmony. And these are a couple of things. One is judging one another. I believe he had the Pharisees in mind, the religious people who that was their number one thing of judging everyone. Why you and your disciples don't wash your hands like everybody else? Why your disciples don't fast like we fast? All of those kind of things. So he said, watch out for judging. Secondly, he said, do not condemn. Do not condemn. What is that condemning? A non-merciful and an unloving response to people. You don't have mercy on them. You don't give them any room for making a mistake. And so you're condemning them, not giving any room for their infancy in Christ. They're a new believer. New believers are not going to function and respond like mature believers. Toddlers don't act like grown folks. So you can't just jump on a new believer like you can somebody who should know better. You're condemning. You are not merciful. You're not, you don't have any grace in your heart. You just, uh, that becomes an attitude. So he said, don't condemn. 
don't be a non-merciful, unloving, having an unloving response toward people. And he says that, first he says, judge and you will not be judged. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Secondly, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And then the third thing he tells us, not, he's not telling us what not to do, he's telling us what to do. He said, forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgive, we all know what forgiving is. Forgiving is not holding it against a person who did you wrong or who you even thought did you wrong. They may not have done you wrong, but if you think they did you wrong, you still are holding something against them and you need to forgive them. He said, don't play this fake forgiveness. You got fake news, you got fake forgiveness. You know, I forgive him, but I sure ain't gonna forget. That means uh, you're just waiting on him again so you can condemn and judge. (laughs) There are three things that are disruptive in a church family. A judgmental spirit, a condemning spirit, and an unforgiving spirit. They are disruptive in a church family. What are they again? A judgmental spirit, a condemning spirit, and an unforgiving spirit. They are disruptive in a church family where we ought to be in harmony and all thinking the same thing. It don't mean that we're all alike. It doesn't mean that we all going to have to act just alike, but that means that you don't have this kind of orientation and mindset in your heart because that can come in pretty easy. I remember once uh, we were at a church many, many years ago, and all of a sudden I stopped enjoying the service. I stopped enjoying the service, and I didn't know why. I just wasn't enjoying it like I used to. I mean, over time, I'm not talking about that one service. I'm not enjoying. Now I got to try to figure out why I feel like I'm feeling. In order to justify how I feel like I'm feeling, I start becoming critical of almost everything that was being done. I don't like the way they take up the offering. And I sure didn't like, uh, I'm going to tell it, but, uh, but she used to get up and be the first one to testify, first one to sing. And I'm just saying, she's getting on my nerves. She, I know she's going to get up and be the first one to sing, first one to testify, and all of that. But as I started thinking about it and saying, wait a minute, that's not right to be critical and judgmental like that. Something else is going on. You know, I didn't know at the time that God was trying to separate me from the church so he could move me somewhere else. If he hadn't done that, I'd still be there. I wouldn't be here. God's trying to do that, but I, I didn't understand that, so I had to try to justify how I felt. So now I'm starting to become critical. But then I know the Lord didn't want me to be critical with the critical spirit. I had to ask him what's going on. And he said, nothing's changed here. They're doing whatever you were doing when you first got here. They're doing the same thing. No, they haven't changed. Guess who changed? You did. Maybe you need to start thinking about moving or something. Something's going on with me, not them. So don't criticize them. Figure out, ask me what's going on. And that's when uh, later on I told uh, Pastor Jack, I said, I think the Lord wants us to move. I'm not sure what he wants to do, but I think it's time. Now, I was really engaged in the church. I was really involved. I was really serving. I was, I mean, I was doing that. I didn't know. Nobody ever taught us how God moved you. But I became critical in my mind. I didn't go home and talk to her about that, but in my own mind I was. And there are people that you'll be critical in the church. You don't even know why you're critical. Then you become judgmental. 
And then after a while, you'll start having that spirit. And if you're not careful, you'll start trying to justify how you feel. And you want to see if somebody else feels the same way. Then you start asking other folks, well, what do you think about? What do you think about this? And if they say, well, I don't know if I like that. You know, I didn't like it either. I would just, you know, was just quench my spirit. Then you just really go off once you find somebody to agree with you. Because you ask, and that's the way people find out. They'll ask you, so what do you think about what the pastor said? If you say, ooh, that was so good. It just blessed my heart, blessed my spirit. They ain't going to say nothing else. They're going to they gonna walk off. <laughs> but if you say, I don't know. That was, I don't know if I really agree with what he said. You know what? I didn't I didn't agree with him either. <laughs> That's the way that worked. Whenever somebody asks you what you thought about what somebody did, they're not trying to compliment him because you know what? If they, thought, if they were going to compliment him, they wouldn't ask you. They said, ooh, that Pastor Jackie was so good, wasn't she? They might say, uh-huh. <laughs> they're not going to go off and start doing it. That's how people do They're trying to find somebody. And sometimes it's not their fault. They just don't know why they feel like they feel and they got to try to justify it. But the enemy will use that in a congregation, in a body of Christ to bring discouragement, to bring dissension, to bring division, to bring strife. And that's what the enemy does. He sows seeds of discord. He sows seeds of discord. So we have to guard our own heart and our own mind. And Jesus was teaching this. He said, listen, I know you've been coming to the meeting and you've been shouting and praising and rejoicing because of the healings and the deliverance and the miracles, but we're going to have to grow and become productive in the kingdom. If you're going to be a mature believer, you got to know how to function day by day. Just because you're in the church don't mean somebody's not going to upset you. Somebody might get on your nerves. Somebody might say something. A lot of people say, but some of them ain't sanctified. They're not mature believers. They got some more pulling off to do and some more growing to do, so they don't know how to act. So you got all kinds of things. So you're going to have to be mature. You're going to have to show the way how somebody else should respond when these things are happening. Because all of us have messed up and said things we shouldn't have said and responded how we should not have responded. Other folks are looking at us. So if we're going to grow and maintain a loving family that encourages and build up one another, we're going to have to avoid these three things. So it takes maturity to resist judging. It takes maturity to resist condemning. And it takes maturity to forgive those who may have wronged you. Jesus tells us how to overcome in verse 38. We normally just use this when we're talking about finances, but notice he ain't talking about money. He's still talking about the same thing here. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So instead of judging then, what do we need to give? We need to give some understanding. Instead of condemning, we need to give mercy. Instead of unforgiveness, we need to forgive. If you give understanding, give mercy, give forgiveness, understanding, mercy, and forgiveness is going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you give just a little bit, you're going to get just a little bit back. Because you say the same measure you give is going to be the same measure that's going to be used to come back to you. So give a lot of understanding. You're going to get a whole lot of understanding back. Give some mercy and forgiveness. You're going to get it back. 
He says, you reap what you sow. So don't worry about you're going to be taken advantage of just because you give somebody some mercy and understanding. Don't worry about you're going to look bad because you didn't strike back when somebody uh, acted crazy. Don't worry about you're going to look bad. You made me look bad. You disrespected me. People use that all the time now. People want to kill somebody because they disrespected me. She said, how did they disrespect me? He looked at me funny. They don't know what disrespect is. How did verse 39 end up in this conversation? He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Then he said, will they not both fall into the pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. He's talking to mature people. He said, you cannot possibly lead somebody else if you are blind to the mature things of God. You can't lead somebody else. There are new believers who are looking at you. They're looking at you and they're going to imitate you. So they're going to fall into the same ditch you fall into if you fall into it. That's what Jesus is saying. You know how most new believers learn how to live a righteous, holy life? It's not from reading the Bible. It's from looking at people that think they're righteous and holy and trying to act like them. Most people, they don't know how to do. I mean, they can read the Bible and be obedient to the scriptures. But most of them, talking about acting and functioning, they look at people what they see at church with their hands raised and bent over and worship. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. They say, okay, that person, that must know Jesus. And then they see you out there acting crazy. Then they say, you can know Jesus and act crazy. They see you with a bad attitude and fussing at somebody after they just got through seeing you shouting and running all up and down the, the church. And they see you out there in the parking lot about to snatch somebody's hair off. <laughs> she said, <"Ugh." laughs> Then they're going to think, well, I mean, maybe that's what you do as a believer. They observe. That's why the old saints used to keep the young saints in line. Hey, you can't do that, honey. You can't do that, baby. And that's not the way we do that. That's not pleasing to the Lord. You can't do that, honey. We don't, so we don't have that in the church no more. Because you don't want to tell nobody nothing because they get mad at you, then you get mad back at them. Okay, but you can't do that, honey. But the older saints used to teach the younger saints how to walk this thing out. And Jesus said, the blind can't lead the blind. So somebody needs to lead somebody is what he's saying, but you can't lead them if you're blind and you're not functioning in maturity. And everybody is leading somebody. If you've been saved two months and somebody else just got saved in two days, they're going to be looking at you. They say, you saved? Yeah. How long you been saved? Two months. Okay, so what do I need to do next? And you've been saved 20 years, and you're still on infant meal and formula. Some folks been saved 20 years. They're still baby Christians. And you can't lead nobody. Now, he's still talking about the same thing. Blind leading the blind, he says, verse 41. So, so he asks a question. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He's still talking about judging and condemning and being unforgiving, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? 
you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, here's what Jesus is saying. The eye doctor can't even see. How the eye doctor going to help you straighten up your eye and he can't see? Because he got so much in here, he got cataracts. Right? And you want to say, come on over here, let me see if I can give you some LASIK surgery. And he got cataracts. You nearsighted. And I want to adjust your eyes. And he asking somebody, pass me, pass me the instrument. It's over there somewhere. Jesus is saying, oh, what's that going to look like? And why are you trying to take a little something out of somebody else's eye when you got a lot of stuff going on in your own eye? Then he tells you what you need to do. He said, do something about that. Go in the mirror and do self-examination. The best way to grow is self-examination. Look at what's going on in your own life and just work on you. You got a whole lot to do uh, working on yourself. I know I was talking about another church or something years ago to my mother. We were in a discussion. I was talking about something going on in another church. She said, don't you have enough going on at the light of the world to take care of? She's a material believer. You ain't got time to be talking about nobody else. Don't you have enough over there? Uh, yeah, yes, ma'am, we got enough over here. If I'm going to talk about somebody, better not be around her. I better go around somebody else. But that's what the uh, saints ought to do. They ought to say, no, 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 no. Don't you, don't you have enough to go talk about? You got enough to take care of your own, in your own house. You need to sweep around your own front door. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look at your own self. By the time you get through working on you, you ain't going to have no time to fool with nobody else. He's talking to the person who's judgmental with a judgmental spirit and who is condemning with the condemning spirit and the unforgiving spirit, which means that these people go around looking for stuff to try to find in somebody else and what's wrong with them. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't notice something that might be what you ain't going looking for. And that's not your attitude, and that's not your orientation, what you're doing that. He said, the mature believer is not going to do that. We're so busy working on being sure that we got things straightened out in our own lives. Now, if you take everything out of your eye, you can see clearly. The speck you saw in somebody else might have been some sawdust on the end of the plank that was in your eye. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's broadcast. God has always had people that were his. He said in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name, God always looks out for those who are his. The question today for you is, do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? God watched out for his people even in the midst of plagues. In the book of Exodus, when the plague struck the Egyptians, God said, they will not touch my people. And then that last plague of all, when the firstborn was killed, God's people had the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. The death angel passed over those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Jesus Christ came and he has applied the blood of the lamb to our hearts. For those of us who are believers, we are not as those who have no hope. We are not to be ones who are fearful, 
about the pestilence. Psalms 91 is a tremendous encouragement to everyone who lives and abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Why don't you read that and your heart will not fill you from fear when everyone else seems that they are frantic about what's going on. God still takes care of his people. Go to our website to hear this message in its entirety and enjoy some of our Sunday services. I also invite you to be my guest at The Light of the World every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. Don't forget about the Beacon Bookstore. If you have a need for communion supplies, Sunday school books, Bibles, or offering envelopes, call the Beacon, 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.